At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, joining me today is my buddy Rick Silverman. Rick and I uh, grew up together in the Chicago area, and we went to college together at the University of Tulsa. We started coaching together at the John Jacobs Golf Schools. And now we are back again after all these years, Rick. We're back again teaching together. Amazing, isn't it? It is amazing. I mean, how about that? I mean, it's like... So much fun. uh, Time flies, too. It's only been uh, uh, 40-something years. (laughs) 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 We're getting old. Uh, But anyway, we are coaching together at my new studio in Paradise Valley, Arizona. And this last week, we had like our first week of coaching. And we had a group in. had like three guys. And we took them through... A little bit of everything. So I want to I want to talk about instruction today. Kind kind of what we saw, what we learned, what we uh, you know experienced, and kind of you know all the all the above. Uh, so anyway, we had three golfers. One of them was like, uh, I don't know, what were their handicaps? What, what would you say? Like they were like uh, 18, 15, 12, I don't know. I think uh, one of the players said he was uh, about a 10. Okay. And then an 18, and then probably in, someone in the 30s. Yeah, definitely. Well, we had, we had an older gentleman. He's 83 years old, so he, he was, uh, 
you know, distance challenged as so, so we'll put it. But but he he actually did did phenomenal. Yes. Well, let me start. Let me just start off there. Okay, with with like the handicaps that you know people have when they play the game. Uh, handicap meaning what you shoot or what do they call it now? It's not called handicap anymore, is it? What, what's it called? It, it's called they have a, they have a slope. They have a, the um, what's an index? Is an that, index. What is that? Index is based on the difficulty of the golf course, not just okay. the length and the par. All right, well, it's the same thing as a handicap, right? Virtually. So they just changed the name to index. What is that? A USJ thing? You know, my favorite uh, group, the USJ. Yeah, what they did was because uh, you can have different uh, level, like par seventy-two. Let's say okay, you can have a seven thousand yard par seventy-two or sixty-two. Yeah, but didn't handicap take that into consideration back in the day? It did, but what happened was when you play from one club to another club. Yeah, you have a let's say a, a fifteen handicap at an extremely difficult golf course, par seventy-two. Right, and then you have a fifteen. Well, I, I thought handicap. that was based on. I thought that's why they had the course rating. They do. That's based on the course rating. But sometimes the course ratings were fluctuated very little. You know, you had a course rating that maybe was okay. 72 and the other one's like 71. But the difficulty factor is tremendous. So this was a way to make no, it Well, I thought equitable. the course rating was a difficulty factor. It was considered that. But so, they, they, so they wanted to make all the everyone was complaining because all the better players were winning and they wanted to make it equitable. So they changed it. Change it. Well, what did they change? What would happen is you'll have somebody go out and determine the difficulty of the golf course and give it a, a slope rating. I thought that's what they did with the, with the course rating. Uh, no, they just, mostly the course ratings were based on length and par. Oh, okay. So it was just length and par. Oh, okay. So that's the difference. All right. So anyway, we're now, now we got an index. All right. So it's the same thing, though. A 10 handicap or a 10 index that means of course it depends on the difficulty of the course you play you could play a really hard course and you know shoot i guess whatever you know 85 or 86 and be a 10 and you could play an easy golf course and you know be a 10 and, and shoot 80 but generally speaking for argument standpoint it just it it if you're a 10 handicap or index, you would shoot about 82, right? I mean, that's kind of what it is, right? 10 over par. Or, that's or, correct. You or should, thereabouts, okay? You should have some. You should be able to shoot sometimes in the 70s. Okay, if you're a 10 handicap. Yeah. All right, and if you're a 10 handicap and you go play in a tournament, okay, let's say, let's, let's say you go play in a tournament. What do you think a 10 handicap shoots in a tournament? Let's put them on their home course. Club championship, count them all, no mulligans, no gimmies, 10 handicap, uh, club championship. What do you expect a 10 handicap to shoot? Unable to break 90. Unable? Unable. Unable to break 90. Okay. I would have to agree with that. So then, it, So his 82 average goes up to about 90 or above when it's under pressure, uh, they all count, no mulligans, and, and this. I, that's why I always say, like a scratch player, which people think a scratch player is almost a tour pro. A scratch player is nowhere near a tour pro, but a scratch player is supposed to, you know, kind of shoot even par. But that's even par on your home course, playing with your buddies. 
Uh, you, you know, Green should only have to bend over to read the putt. It's just a, it's not a tournament situation. And, and, and by the way, it's only half your last, you know, it's, it's, it's 10 out of your last 20 scores that make up this handicap or index or whatever. It's, that's still the way, right? Isn't it? Or how is it? Yeah, it's based, it's based on that. And they, then they take a percentage of that, okay. like a 90% and that becomes your handicap. Okay. All right. So, so, so anyway, it's a scratch player. I've always said if he goes and plays in a term like scratch players, oftentimes at a club, they'll go play in a U.S. Open qualifying or something. They're not going to break eighty, okay? Or they shoot if they play great, they're going to shoot seventy-eight. Like when I see see somebody that's a scratch player goes and plays in a in a tournament like a you know U.S. Open qualifying, U.S. Amateur qualifying, whatever, and they shoot seventy-eight, I think that's about even par. That's about even par for a scratch player. So mm-hmm. ten handicap, probably about ninety. You know, I mean, it's just, it's it's hard. I mean, golf's a hard game. There's no there's there's no no two ways about that. But the thing that we saw, okay, this week is okay. We we had you know our, our two players that were you know twelve to eighteen handicap, fifteen handicap, whatever whatever they were. Both of them had the slice, which is typical i I always say 90 percent of people that play golf slice average handicap for a male golfer is you know 16 and a half they shoot about 90 they slice if you shoot you know 90 and you and you you know you you uh you slice you're just right there at average if you shoot uh 84 and you slice okay you're a better chipper a better putter you're uh you know whatever you know you, you played more whatever it might be but but it's pretty much what you're going to shoot. Uh, you, you, what do you think? You see, you feel the same way. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of players that are uh, below twenty handicap, especially below ten handicap. Yeah, who have what I call an ego handicap. They try to keep their handicaps low, so they can say, "Oh, I'm a nine. and they have a hard time breaking eighty five. Okay, so that's a good point. And do you think more people that play golf? Because a lot of people will complain about sandbaggers, okay? This guy's sandbagging. He's cheating. He says he's a 10, but he's really a 5. Or this guy says he's a – and I don't – you know, how do you do that? You just don't turn in your scores, or what do you do? Yeah, they just don't turn in the low scores, okay. you know. they uh-huh. that just they Or they just quit don't. after uh, 16 holes because they're playing good or whatever it is they do. Okay. All right, so so how many what, – what, what percentage of people do you think uh, – Sandbag, their handicap is lower than they say, or do you think people uh, are the opposite, where their handicap is higher than they say? What do you think? More or less, either way. I think that the 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 lower the handicap is, the more it becomes an ego handicap, and sometimes you get the twenty five handicap golfer plays like a fifteen. I, I bet it's about half and half. I, I, I bet it's like. Half the people can't play to their handicap, and maybe I, I, I'd probably say more than half the people can't play to their handicap, and then a percentage of people their handicap is probably uh, higher than it should be. Maybe I, I would say probably twenty five percent of the people, and at the most, maybe maybe. 10% of the people's handicap is is, is uh, lower than they say it is, and then 20% of their handicap is higher than they say they are. What do, what do you think? Something like that? I think that's pretty close. 
Yeah. I think this could be pretty close. And you have to remember when people get out and play, it's, they play with their, sometimes they play with their spouse. Yeah. They don't make every putt. They don't count everything. Yep. They hit out of bounds. They drop another ball. They don't really add yeah, two yeah, shots yeah. to it. So their, their scores are, are not representative. Yeah, but people complaining about like this guy's handicaps. I mean, most people's handicap are the more people are handicaps are the other way. They can't play to it. Right. The only p- time people are complaining about uh, sandbaggers is when they're losing. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but there, there's some people that do sandbag. There's some. There are, there are some. Yeah, yeah. I sandbag and pickleball. No, <laughs> but the way you the way you remedy that is you have a tournament handicap. Yeah. Oh, do they? They have such a thing as that? They do. Oh, wow. What do they, they do? Just jack you down? Does this give you a deduction? Whatever. What uh, it does is it keeps the record of your scores during tournaments. Oh, really? Is this something clubs do or is this something the USGA does? This is something that clubs do and handicap services in certain states do. Oh, wow. Oh, well, so that, that takes care of that program. Yeah. So if you, you turn in a good score in the tournament, you're you're getting docked heavily. Heavily. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's something. I, I just learned something new today. All right. That's good. All right, Rick. So the tournament handicap, that's different than the regular handicap, huh? Absolutely. A lot of times at, at private clubs yeah. where the majority of people that have handicaps are at, okay, you get it like the championship flight and then ABCD. Okay. And the championship flight, they usually play all scratch. So it's usually anywhere from like a zero to a five or six handicap. Okay. And all those guys have trouble breaking 80. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. So, so, so we we got the handicap. All right, anyway, we were we were talking about the the fellows that we were coaching. Yeah, and they both sliced. Maybe one of them's a little longer than the other ones. One of them plays, you know, a little bit more than the other one. You know, whatever. But but I always say the the road to good golf goes nowhere through a slice. You can go from slicing to hooking to good good, good golf. You can go from hooking to good golf, but nobody ever goes from slicing straight to good golf. It just it just absolutely does not happen. So that's the number one one thing that you look for if you're a coach like us, and you look at and see what what people are doing. But the first thing you do is you you look at the flight of their golf ball. You, you ask them, but you don't trust what they say, do you? They don't know. They, they talk about mistakes being more about what they're doing or what someone has told them what they do. Right. As opposed to the impact in the ball flight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I'll say, where, where does your, where's your bad shot go? And then they'll start telling me about everything they think they do wrong. And usually it's something that makes no sense, to be honest with you. And, and that something is, is usually like uh, I swing too fast or whatever you know i'm off balance i don't i don't know what they say but it, it none of it makes much sense but anyway so we look at the flight of the golf ball and we looked at the flight of the golf ball and both these guys uh sliced and then we 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 try to get them to understand and you try to get everybody to understand why your golf ball does what it does that oftentimes is a big challenge Absolutely. People have a hard time diagnosing it. Yeah. What the problem is because they can't see the impact. Yeah. They see the results and impact lasts for such a short period of time. They can't see it. So the, the only guide is the golf ball itself. If you don't have some sort of simulator there to tell you exactly what your impact was. Yeah. 
I must explain this. I don't know how many times. When your ball curves one way or another, you have a problem with the club face relative to the path of your swing. Correct. Meaning that the the if the club face is open relative to the path of the swing, your ball is going to slice. If the club face is closed relative to the path of your swing, your ball is going to hook. How do you define open or closed relative to the path of the swing? If, if the path of your swing at impact, which is the direction your club is swinging, if it's swinging straight to the target line at impact, and your club face is one degree open or pointed, your right-handed player, one degree open or pointed to the right at impact, then, then you have a club face that's one degree open relative to the path of your swing. And then you explain to people, okay, if you swing the club to the left, let's say you swing the club to the left three degrees. Okay, you swing the club, you're swinging three degrees to the left of your target. That's the path of your swing, the direction of your swing. And let's say your club face is also pointed to the left, but not as much as, as the path. Let's say your club face is one degree left. If your club face is one degree left, but your path is three degrees left, then your club face is two degrees open relative to the path of your swing. This concept is so hard for people to 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 uh, understand. I mean, I... It, like they think they slice because they swing across the ball, but yet you can swing across the ball and pull it, or you can swing across the ball and hook it. But you you slice when the club face is open relative to the path. So I just did this whole video series with uh, Performance Golf Zone. It's called the One Shot Slice Fix, and you can check it out at performancegolfzone.com. But uh, or one. ShotSliceFix.com. You can go there and, and, and check it out. And the, my whole premise was I can fix your slice in one shot. So all I have to do is get your club face square or closed relative to the path of swing. doesn't matter where the path of swing is. If the club face, if you're a right-handed player and the club face is more left than your path is, in terms of where it's facing, when you contact the ball, then your golf ball is not going to to slice. But the first thing you have to do is is you have to understand why your golf ball curves. And the golf ball curves, the curving golf ball is the thing that causes people problems. I mean, that's the whole 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 issue. Because when you curve the golf ball, you're going to tend to swing and or aim in the opposite direction. And that's just what people what people do. Now you took them on the course and and immediately what what they they started aiming to the left, right? Aiming and aligning to the left to play for an anticipate or anticipated open face slice to the right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what people do. And that's what they're instinctively going to do and they're not going to stop doing that. So the step that you want to take is is yes, we, we're going to try to fix the, the direction of your swing because we're trying to get everything fixed here. But the first thing you want to do above anything else is try to get the golf ball to go in in, a, in an opposite direction of where it's going. So if, if it's slicing to the right, let's try to get it to hook to the left. If it's hooking to the, to the left, let's try to get it to, to fade to the right. 
And the, the, the reason I say that, you know, good golf, you, you can't get there from slicing is because when, when people slice, right-handed player I'm talking about, he's opposite for a lefty, but for a right-handed player, they're swinging, they tend to swing to the left. When they swing to the left, they also swing down. It's just those two things go together. When you swing more left, you swing more down. When you swing more right, you swing more level or more up. But when you swing left and down, you're, you're taking clubhead speed and you're wasting it down into the ground. The next thing that happens is when you slice it, you also have a tendency to spin the ball too much. And when it spins too much, it doesn't go as far. And distance, as we all know, because I've explained it a million times, is the most important aspect in the game of golf and determining somebody's potential. So when you're curving the ball and you're spinning it too much, your distance is is not going to be what it potentially could be. Your direction is going to be difficult. When you're curving the golf ball, the problem you have is your golf ball curves different with every club in your bag because every club in your bag has a different amount of loft. And when you have more loft, you hit more underneath the golf ball. When you hit more underneath the golf ball, you're going to curve the ball less. When you have a straighter face club like a driver, you're going to curve the, the, the ball more. So the first thing you want to do is get the ball to curve in the opposite direction of your current mistake. Just you know, if you can if you can accomplish that, whatever your current mistake is in terms of your golf ball curvature, if you can get the ball to curve in the opposite direction, then you are stepping in the in the right direction. Now it just so happens that that people who hook the golf ball, one, they don't hit down as much, so they don't waste club head speed into the ground. They have a Swing that is shallower, so they have more room for air. If you bottom out a little bit behind the ball with a steep swing, you're going to chunk it. You're going to hit it fat. If you bottom out behind the ball with a shallow swing, you're going to probably hit a decent shot. It might be a little thin, maybe a little heavy, but not a total fat chunk You know, going nowhere. So you're going to have a better miss. And those two, those two things right there make you a better golfer. And that's why... You know, people who hook, they hate it. They can't stand the ball hooking too much because it's a bad shot in their mind. But they're almost always better golfers than the people who slice. So so those are the reasons why I always say you can go from hooking to good golf. You can't go from slicing to good golf. And in the history of the game of golf, every you know, there hasn't never ever been a player who went from slicing to good golf. They all go from slicing to hooking, and they fight a hook. And every better player in the history of the game has fought a hook at one time. And I'm not saying every better player in the history of the game always hooks the ball. I'm just saying every better player in the history of the game has fought a hook at one time or another. That's that's just what they do. Exactly. I think Lee Trevino said it uh, to illustrate that. He said, you can talk to a fade, but a hook won't listen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he what what Torino was was saying is is listen, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to learn to fade the ball. That's why I say you can go from slicing to hooking to fading in your great golf, okay? So what he tried to do is he tried to to fix his hook and learn to fade the golf ball. Ben Hogan the same thing. But when Hogan was a terrible hooker and Lee Trevino when he was early on in his career, he hooked the ball too much. But they were better players than 99.9% of the people ever thought about being, even when they hooked the golf ball. See? That's true. Even when they hooked it. Uh, so so if you're going to make a mistake, we'd rather see you hooked. It's just like you're one step 
better in the right direction. I can promise you this. Like if you go play in a pro-am and you play in a pro-am and you tee up on the first hole and you're playing with, you know, Joe Touring Pro, whoever it is. I don't pick any one of them. Okay, it doesn't have to be the greatest touring pro, just a touring pro that's playing in a pro-am. And you step up there and you slice the ball. I, I, I promise you, the pro who you're playing with right away does not have any respect for your game. They just look at it and think, okay, here's another one of the same, another slicer. But if you get up there and you hook it, even if it's not a good shot, but if you hook it, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, you know what? This guy has some potential. This guy's going to hit. He's going to hit some good shots today. He's got a chance to be a better player. And that's just because when the golf ball curves from right to left for a right-handed player, you are going to be more powerful. You're inherently going to have more room for air. Your ball's not going to go straight up in the air with a spinning, you know, uh, backspin that's coming back at you. And all those things are, are good in terms of, of playing better golf. So, so the, the, the first thing we do is we, we work on, on that. But really, the first thing we do is we analyze why you, you have it. And then we explain it. Explain it. And there's one and only one reason why you slice. The club face is open relative to the path of your swing. Don't ever forget that part right there. All right. We're going to take a break. And then we'll uh, talk more about our week uh, teaching golf, Rick Silverman and I. But uh, before we do that, go to HaneyUniversity.com. When you get a chance, sign up for my instructional videos that go out three times a week. You can also find some great deals on there on some great golf products. And you can find out all the inform information you need to know about coming and getting a golf lesson from me or Rick Silverman at my teaching facility in Paradise Valley, Arizona. We do small groups and uh, individuals and whatever anybody wants, we can set up for you. I am back coaching and uh, enjoying it and looking forward to uh, helping some of you that are listening today. So HaneyUniversity.com. We'll be right back. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, so here's here's one of the things that I want to talk about, Rick. Uh, equipment. Whenever I'm given a golf lesson, I always, the first thing I do is I want to see, like, what what obstacles do I have to overcome? Okay. And, and I'm not talking about somebody's physical obstacles or mental obstacles, but I'm talking about equipment obstacles. And the number one, the number one thing on that list, it's not shaft flex or club weight. Sometimes it's club design. If somebody has irons that are really difficult to get up in the air, it might be an issue. Uh, if somebody hits the ball too high, I mean, we can work with that. And you know, you know, I mean, people aren't going to shoot ninety or a hundred because they're hitting it too high. They shoot, they shoot that because they're hitting it offline. But the main, the main issue that you have with people who curve the golf ball is, is they end up, they generally curve it to the right. That's a, that's a normal shot. And they, they more times than not, it seems like have a driver that's just not right for them. 
I mean, I see that all the time. I mean, I know you do too. All the t- all the time, and you see it a, a lot more with the slicers. Yeah, the open face to path slicers. Yeah, and what do they do? Well, what happens is when you have the open uh, face to path example, let's say um, you hit the ball with an effective loft because it's open of four or five degrees more than the static loft of the golf club. Right. So, so if the, if the club says. And one of our students had this. He had a nine-degree driver, but he was hitting with an open face. So it's really like a 14-degree driver. Exactly. It's the effective loft, which is what the loft is at impact. Um, when the face is open at impact, it creates a greater effective loft when you hit it. So that nine-degree loft driver yeah. goes really high. But he didn't start with the nine-degree loft driver. He might have started with the 10 or 11. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he hit it so high, someone said... You hit it too high, get a less lofty golf club. Right. And then I explained to him, your your club head speed is, you know, 88 or 90 miles an hour. And you're, you're hitting a driver that has nine degrees of loft. Dustin Johnson's swinging 120-something miles an hour, and he's hitting a driver that has 10 and a half degrees of loft. Something doesn't match up here. But what you see is the ball goes high for the slicer, so he he reduces the loft of the club to try to get the golf ball down. I've talked about this before, but this is so important for anybody who, who curves the ball. You have to have the right loft on your club. If your slice is going high, fix your slice first. Once you get the ball going straight or curving a little bit from right to left, then then decide what loft you need. But you don't decide what loft you need before you fix the curve because you, until you fix the curve, you cannot figure out what loft you need. And this is, this is the problem that, that people have. So one of our students had a nine-degree lofted driver, and he sliced. There's, there's no chance that he can fix that slice with that nine-degree driver. It's just, it's just too hard to overcome. And as soon I, I gave him my driver to try, which was also a nine degree, by the way. But what I did is I increased the loft two degrees. And anytime you close, you increase the loft, it closes the face. So the, the nine degree set as an 11 degree also has a little bit of a closed face. And I think that made a big difference, didn't it? I think so too. Yeah. And the challenge you're going to, the player's going to have is if, you have an effective loft of 14 degrees. You have a nine-degree driver, effective loft of 14 because it's open, because the face is open to the path. Once you fix the face open to the path, which is crucial, right? now you're, he's at a nine-degree. So yeah. he proceeded to hit these low shots to the left that had no trajectory to him. Right. Because the face was square to the path, swinging left, hitting down, making it go lower, and he couldn't get any carry because it was too low of a shot. Yeah, the hitting down de-lofts the club. Takes loft off. So if you're if you're swinging level with the club at impact, you have you know if effective neutral loft. If you're hitting up on the club, you you add loft, and if you're hitting down, then you decrease loft. Like I'll give you an example, Bryson DeChambeau. I think he uses like a six or seven degree lofted driver, but he's hitting up like six degrees. 
So to your point, the effect of loft is even though it says six degrees or seven degrees on the bottom, it's not that when he hits the golf ball. Just like when somebody swings with an open face at impact, the effect of loft is not the nine degrees it says on the bottom. It might be 13 or 14 or whatever. And then when you hit down, you decrease loft as well. So if I hit, in, hit if I'm hitting down three degrees, I'm taking loft off the club when I hit down. So there's this, you know, it's not just like oh, I need you know a ten degree lofted driver. This would be perfect for you. I have to see your swing. I have to know what you're going to do. Do you hit with an open face? Do you hit with a closed face? Do you hit down? Do you hit up? Do you hit level? Those are the factors that go into to what kind of loft you should have. But when you're fitting yourself or you're trying to figure out what loft you need to use. Always start off first and get yourself a neutral ball flight first. And the easiest way to fix a slice is with more loft, having a, a more lofted driver. That's like the first thing that I do. If somebody has an adjustable driver, most people do, I'll adjust the driver, add loft to the driver, and right away the, the slice will calm down. It will calm down. And that's just, is just something for everybody to remember right there. Exactly. You do that, you're on your way. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a big big step in the right direction. But it's amazing how many times you have to explain something, and we know this because we 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 coach, we teach, before people really get it. I mean, they nod. <laughs> you think you're getting through, but I sometimes you you know you 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 really just have to remind yourself that maybe nobody's home there. <laughs> Don't you think? Well, I think that over the years of people playing, if you played for 20 or 30 years, yeah. and someone, you you have an open, let majority of people slice, yeah. so you have an open face to path, and the ball goes to the right. Yeah. And someone says, boy, you're swinging across and to the left or out to in. Eventually, you equate that your swing to the left yeah. out to in has caused that Slice, slice, right? But it hasn't, right? So what I would do is I would say, well, if I swing a stick to the left, is the ball going to go to the right? Yeah. Well, no, because you're swinging to the left. Well, so what makes it go to the right? And what what we did is we put a magnet with a stick with a with a pointer on the end of the golf club. Yeah. And as soon as you open the face, you can see it points to the right. It points to the right. Right. Even when you set it square to start, pointing yep. at the target. You open the face, points right. to the right. Yeah. Now, what made that point to the right? It certainly wasn't me swinging the golf club. Mm -hmm. It was the club face that made it go to the right. Yeah, and then it's going to curve more to the right if it's open relative to the the path of the swing, and that's the that's the problem that people have, and that's the problem they need to fix. If they don't fix that, they are in a difficult situation to ever improve. It's really, really that simple. Yep. Great. All right. Good stuff, Rick. Appreciate you joining me. That was fun. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. Uh, hit the follow button on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts so you can uh, continue to enjoy the Hank Haney podcast and learn so you can improve your golf game. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you soon on the Hank Haney podcast. The Hank Haney Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. More than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 